Welcome to episode 6 of my podcast. In this brief episode, I will offer some commentary on the first chapter of The Magician's Nephew. The Magician's Nephew is the first book of the Chronicles of Narnia, written by C.S. Lewis. It was, however, published about five years after The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the second book of the series. The first chapter, entitled The Wrong Door, starts out as follows. This is a story about something that happened long ago, when your grandfather was a child. It is a very important story because it shows how all the comings and goings between our world and the land of Narnia first began. Some of the other Narnia books start out in a somewhat similar fashion. The line, the witch, and the wardrobe starts out as follows. Once there were four children whose names were Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy. This story is about something that happened to them when they were sent away from London during the war because of the air raids. Another close parallel is found in The Horse and His Boy, which was published a year before The Magician's Nephew. This is the story of an adventure that happened in Narnia and Kalormen and the lands between in the Golden Age when Peter was hiking in Narnia and his brother and two sisters were king and queens under him. Now in the first chapter of The Magician's Nephew, readers are introduced to two children, Polly and Diggory, two of the main characters of the book. Polly is introduced first, although the book is called The Magician's Nephew. Polly and Diggory live in what is probably 19th century London. Polly lives in a house in a row of houses, and Diggory has only recently come to live next door. They meet when both are outside, and Diggory puts his head over the garden wall. The face of the strange boy was very grubby. It could hardly have been grubbier if he had first rubbed his hands in the earth, and then had a good cry, and then dried his face with his hands. As a matter of fact, this is very nearly what he had been doing. Now in the conversation that ensues between Polly and Diggory, readers figure out why Diggory has been crying. But before we get to that, I want to point out that, interestingly, crying happens a number of times in the Chronicles of Narnia. I'll mention a few other cases. Lucy cries a number of times, Mr. Tumnus cries, Susan cries, and Jill cries. And crying seems to happen mostly near the beginning of a book. The closest parallel scene is perhaps found in the first chapter of The Silver Chair. Perhaps these are matters I can explore further some other time. Okay, but why has Diggory been crying? Well, perhaps it's best just to quote some passages. All right, I have then, said Diggory in a much louder voice, like a boy who was so miserable that he didn't care who knew he had been crying. And so would you, he went on, if you'd lived all your life in the country and had a pony and a river at the bottom of the garden and then be brought to live in a beastly hole like this. And if your father was away in India and you had to come and live with an aunt and an uncle who's mad, and if the reason was they were looking after your mother and if your mother was ill and was going to, going to die. Now, note the dying mother. This is especially noteworthy in light of Lewis's own childhood. As you may know, Lewis's mother, Florence Augusta Lewis, died when he was only nine years old. After the first conversation of Polly and Diggory, we can read the following passage. That was how Polly and Diggory got to know one another, and as it was just the beginning of the summer holidays, and neither of them was going to the sea that year, they met nearly every day. Their adventures began chiefly because it was one of the wettest and coldest summers there had been for years. That drove them to do indoor things, you might say, indoor exploration. It is wonderful how much exploring you can do with a stump of candle, in a big house, or in a row of houses. Now adventure and exploration are important aspects of the magician's nephew, which may become clear in future episodes. A little further in the first chapter, Diggory and Polly plan and attempt to get into the attic of the empty house next to that of Diggory via an attic pathway connecting the houses. In the context of planning this, they have the following conversation. But I don't expect it's really empty at all, said Diggory. 
What do you expect? I expect someone lives there in secret, only coming in and out at night with a dark lantern. We shall probably discover a gang of desperate criminals and get a reward. It's all rot to say that a house would be empty all those years unless there was some mystery. Daddy thought it must be the drains, said Polly. Pooh, grown-ups are always thinking of uninteresting explanations, said Digery. This last remark is interesting, and I suspect there is a deeper layer to it. This is not the only place where the issue of explanation comes up in the first chapter. In any case, in the pathway, Diggory and Polly come across a door and enter through it, but not into the attic of the empty house, but into the study of Uncle Andrew, which is why the chapter is entitled The Wrong Door. That being said, there is a deeper layer to the title of this chapter. In his biography of Lewis, Alistair McGrath noted that a central theme in the Chronicles of Narnia is that of a door into another world, a threshold that can be crossed, allowing us to enter a wonderful new realm and explore it. There are obvious religious overtones to the idea, which Lewis discussed in earlier works, such as the 1941 sermon, The Weight of Glory. For Lewis, human experience suggests that there is another and more wonderful world in which our true destiny lies, but that we are at present on the wrong side of the door that leads into this world. At first the room seems empty, but it turns out that Uncle Andrew is in his study. Diggory was quite speechless, for Uncle Andrew looked a thousand times more alarming than he had ever looked before. Polly was not so frightened yet, but she soon was, for the very first thing Uncle Andrew did was to walk across to the door of the room, shut it, and turn the key in the lock. Uncle Andrew then starts to talk to the children. It turns out Uncle Andrew is in the middle of an experiment and is delighted that the two children have shown up. However, Polly and Didgery badly want to leave the study. Near the end of their conversation, Uncle Andrew resorts to trickery slash deception to get them involved and offers a yellow ring to Polly and invites her to try it on. Diggory shouts out to stop her from touching one of the rings, but it was too late. Exactly as he spoke, Polly's hand went out to touch one of the rings, and immediately, without a flash or a noise or a warning of any sort, there was no Polly. Diggory and his uncle were alone in the room. And thus the first chapter ends. Now there is quite a bit more that could be said about this chapter, but I'll leave it at that. The next chapter is called Diggory and his uncle, and I hope to deal with it in a future episode. If you would like to read the episode text of this episode, please visit my website, markshaw.nl. Thank you for listening.